We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by what we believe. In other words, we live by what we believe. We're activated and actuated by what we believe, not by what we see, not by what we feel. We live by faith. We live by trusting God. We live by believing what he said is true and then acting like it. We live by putting our faith, all of our faith, our trust, all of our trust, our hope, all of our hope in Jesus Christ. We live by relying on him. Uh, We don't live by relying on ourselves. If we live by relying on ourselves, you'll actually experience more death in life. Uh, Sickness, somebody called, uh, they actually said sickness is incipient death. That just means it's death in the beginning stages, and if this doesn't stop, it's going to kill you. So God actually designed our bodies in such a way that um, they would have a natural means of even healing themselves. And then he gave us the doctors, and the doctors actually help us um, to put our bodies in the right direction. They help us diagnose what's going on, what's happening in your body, what's going on. And so we're thankful for anything that promotes health and healing. And then we know that Jesus Christ, he was died, buried, and resurrected. But while he was on the cross, he was um, scourged with whips. 40 times, and they say you can classify every sickness, every disease into one of 40 categories. So uh, we find that by his stripes, by his bruises, by his woundings, that we are healed. We were healed, and if we were healed, that's like over 2,000 years ago. If we were healed then, that means we're actually healed now here today. And so we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by what the word of God says because that's the truth. The word of God is alive and powerful. It's more powerful than any uh, force on the earth. The word of God has the power to change any situation. Any person, any man, any woman, any child, um, any baby, any older person, any younger person, any rich person, any poor person can be changed by faith no matter how they're bound. No matter what the bondage is, no matter what the trouble is, no matter what the trial is, no matter what the attack is, the devil cannot make an attack. The devil cannot make a force that's more powerful than the word of God to set you free. And the way that the word of God sets you free is you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free or make you free, Jesus said. The way the truth makes you free is you believe the word and you act on it. You gotta look every part of your life, every part of my life. If I'm having trouble understanding something or I'm confused, you go right back to salvation. Hopefully you understand salvation. If you don't understand salvation, uh, Romans chapter 10 verses nine and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, when are you saved? After you believe and confess, then the salvation takes place. So, I, I mean, I can't tell you, uh, in the denominational church I was uh, a part of in Georgia, I joined the prayer team, and I was, I was part of the prayer team, so I would pray with people uh, up front, but most of the time in the back room every week. Uh, and they would just come there. They didn't come to be filled with the Spirit. They would just come for salvation. And so they would come for salvation. And so I can't, I, I mean, I, don't, I can't think of a person that it wasn't this way. They would come. You could see the convicting power of the Spirit of God upon them. They're like, they, they could see their lost condition. They could see that they needed help. They could see that they couldn't do it on their own, that they didn't want to do it on their own anymore, and that they wanted to come to Christ. And I would talk with them, and they're in this state of despair. And I know, I'm like, you know what? In like 30 seconds, this is going to be gone, and I know, and, you know, I know what they're going to say. They're going to be like, oh, it feels so light. It just feels so like this, like this big weight was on me, and it's gone now. 
And so I'm looking forward to this, like in just a second, this is gonna happen. And so sure enough, we start praying. And you know, at the beginning of their prayer, you know, they're just like, Lord, I'm such a terrible person. And I, you know, please forgive me of my sins and all this stuff. And I take Jesus as my Lord. And as soon as they say that, their voice almost begins to change. And by the time they say amen, they're like, oh, I feel so much like they take a breath almost every time. They're like, oh, like, you know, there's a sigh of, oh, but then there's a sigh of, oh, isn't it amazing how much we can communicate just by like, you know, so you ladies that think us men don't communicate, we actually communicate an awful lot. You're like, you're like, there's a whole lot of communication going on. And so, but you see, if you take every, every, um, you have to live by faith to experience the blessings of God, okay? So if you don't believe that you have a million dollars in a bank account that your relatives left you, that's sitting there waiting for you to go pick it up, and you can't figure out how you're going to like, you know, you're having to like cut back on your budget because... You can't buy, like, the expensive fruit. You have to buy, okay, I can only buy bananas. So I'm just going to buy bananas because I really want the grapes, but I can't afford, you know, because it's not in the budget, and the grapes right now are really expensive. So um, if you can't figure that out, you know, uh, it's an area where you need to, like, live by faith and walk by faith. We want to, like, apprehend, grab hold of these things, experience them in our life by faith. And so you go back to your salvation experience. And you say, wait a minute, how did this thing begin, happen to begin with, right? So the same way that you were born again is the same way that your financial needs will be met. It's the same way that you'll be filled with the Spirit. It's the same way that you'll receive healing in your body. It's the same way that you'll receive um, freedom for depression. It's the same way that you'll receive freedom from just any kind of tormenting thought, any kind of bondage that the devil would bring. Isn't it amazing that when the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, there's liberty, but where the devil is, there's bondage, and fear. Fear, actually, the Bible says fear has torment. And we think a lot of times, well, I'm, a fe- I'm, I'm afraid that I'm a feared. I'm going to preach King James. I'm a feared. I'm a feared that someone's going to break in my house and get me. Or I'm a feared that I'm going to be on the uh, metro and somebody's going to have like a dirty bomb. Or I'm a feared that the thing's going to like go off the tracks because we're believing God that they're going to maintain it well and <laughs> give them wisdom, Lord. But we classify fear so many times into the arena of uh, physical harm. Uh, But you know, fear that your needs are not going to be met financially is a fear. Fear that you're going to have lack. Fear that, well, I'm going to get let go from my job. Or fear that um, my children are going to turn out bad. Or fear that, man, I'm going to wrestle with my kids when they're teenagers. It's going to be the worst time. I'm not looking forward to it. You know, that's a fear. Or fear that what I'm believing, God, my time's already passed. It's already too late for me. It's too late for me to get there. That's a fear. So I'm here to tell you that it's not too late for you. God is the God of the impossible. He makes the impossible possible. And it's not too late. Praise God. You're not too old. You haven't gone too far. 
You can't go someplace where God can't reach. I mean, uh, the, the thing I think of somebody being too old, I really think the best example would be like Abraham and Sarah. You know, and Abraham and Sarah, they're wanting to have a child. And, you know, God's saying like, you could have a child. And Sarah's like, <laughs> first of all, um, you know, I already experienced these, these times when I was so hot, I couldn't even sleep with clothes on. Right? I won't mention who, but <laughs> I'll think of somebody right now. <laughs> but, you know, these hot flashes have already come, she's thinking. You know, she's, this, is, this time has already passed, and then she's looking at her husband, and, you know, she's like, you know, I don't know how well he performs at this age. So she's laughing. God spoke, and she laughed. Not a laugh of joy, but a laugh of almost um, low regard. Like, <laughs> I, know, I know more than you know. Right, she would have didn't say it that way, but when we laugh at God, when he says something that our head and what we see tells us is impossible, aren't we doing the same thing? I have. I'm not gonna talk about you. I'll talk about me because, you know, it's much more comfortable for you if I talk about me. <laughs> but I mean, I've had God tell me, and in fact, in fact, I will tell you a story. When I was um, in Bible school, I, uh, I, I had a different Bible school experience than most of the Bible school students. I was in the military, and uh, when I was stationed actually up here at uh, Fort Meade, I used to, uh, I worked shift work. I worked six days on, two days off, rotated every week. And I was young, but man, I, I slept a lot because I think it's hard on your body probably to do that. And... Um, so 6262. So basically between my weeks I'd have a day and a half off, a day and a half off, and then once every 3 weeks I'd have almost 3 days off because you're rotating back to the other schedule. And you're always kind of like that's when I started using military time on my watch because I would wake up and it's like sunrise or sunset, I'm not sure which because when I sleep I sleep deep and I'm kind of like, uh, am I supposed to be at work?" So <laughs> I started doing like it's 1800, you know. Um which is 6 p.m. for you guys that don't know. And uh, so I started using military time. But um, I got out of the military, had a, a very, I was very blessed financially because I had taken some time and learned some other stuff, and, then, and the Lord really just opened the door for me at a computer company in Tulsa. And uh, so I'm working there, making really good money, and got several promotions that they said was impossible to get. You couldn't get that many promotions in a year. And uh, then uh, I had volunteered the first 13 months as an usher because I want to I get involved, I want to serve, and um, there's such a blessing in serving. And so after about a year, so a month before that, I had a stirring in my heart, you need to do something else, serve in a different area. And so I thought, okay, and um, what area, Lord? And all of a sudden, I, it had to be God, because I just didn't think this way. Do camera. And I'm like, you know, growing up, my brother had always done audio in our church. He ran the audio, and he sang specials, and I never did any of that. And um, I knew computers at this point, but not like video or audio. So um, I started volunteering there. Well, it must have been about after about uh, nine or ten months of volunteering. I'm sitting up in the control room, which is where we get ready. We'd pray before service um, uh, as a camera operator. I'm sitting up there. I remember when it was. It was March of 2001. And I'm sitting up there, and in my heart, the Lord said, you're going to work here. Well, I didn't know for sure, but I was pretty sure that uh, I knew close to the income that, that, that people that worked there in that position made. 
Uh, actually, the guy that I replaced made less than what I thought I was sure of. Um, <laughs> so it was worse than what I, what I thought. So I laughed. That came in my, in my heart, and I audibly laughed. I was sitting there, and I was like, <laughs> and somebody's like, what are you laughing at? I was like, oh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, you're going to work here. I'm like, I'm not going to work here. And, uh, you know, I had uh, opportunity after opportunity, and they would, like, fly me. It was in Tulsa, so I would fly down. They'd fly me to Dallas in the morning to help them do stuff there and then fly me back at night, like, multiple days, different times, all this stuff. And sometimes they'd fly me down, put me in a hotel, and come back. And I would be, had, had a lot of expertise in the field that I was in. And, um, and so, uh, and then they're saying, well, if you move to Dallas... After you graduate, and this was like three months before I was going to graduate, then we're going to give you, you know, like $80,000 a year at least, maybe eighty-five. And so it was a really good pay increase for me. And um, so I'm sitting thinking about this, and this is when on the inside, like, you know, you're going you're gonna to go on staff here. And I was like, <laughs> you know, almost like not a chance, not a chance. Um, but isn't it funny how the Lord has a way with Sarah and even with me of like showing you like his perspective. And uh, I love it because if your heart is to follow God and listen to God, even if you're kind of like mockingly sometimes, even of God, which we shouldn't be, but we, we do sometimes, <laughs> he's patient with you and he's patient with me. So long story short, I was there two months later on staff <laughs> at the church. And, you know, I was actually... Um, I was the sought-after expert at this other company, and I continued to work there for, I think, another year, year and a half part-time for him. Um, but I was the sought-after expert there. And then at Rama, uh, one of my big jobs was cataloging and labeling tapes. <laughs> so the big expert who in Bible school class, when they would say, you have to be willing to clean toilets, I'm like, amen, I'll clean a toilet. I don't care. I'm just here to serve God. I am like labeling these VHS tapes. And there's actually a real technique to get those labels straight. And I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I don't like them crooked. So if they're crooked, I'm going to tear them back off and put them on right because that's just, not, I could, I put it on there and like, oh, I'm in a hurry. And then I just couldn't stop thinking about that. I'm like, but it's crooked. You've got the one that's crooked. So I take it off. So anyhow, I figured out how to like get them on really straight and do it quickly and gain the skill. But I'm doing this and I'm like, Lord, what are you doing to me? Like, I mean, like, I'm an expert in this field, and I'm labeling a tape. Like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Well, you realize, like, uh, first of all, I apparently needed to learn some humility because <laughs> I was like the expert, right? And, um, but not only that, the character development that happened, but, I mean, I start there in June. I think it was by June 14th. I was on my first... Uh, trip with Brother Hagen on the road. And then the next three months, I didn't, uh, I wasn't there because they just needed me for that one trip. And then I became full-time on the road with Dad Hagen in addition to my other duties, you know, so I'm still doing the other stuff. So it was a lot of work. But I got to travel with Kenneth E. Hagen for the last two, two and a half years of his life. And so the faithfulness kind of paid off. And the following God, he seemed to know something that I didn't know. And besides that, that put me in a position to meet my beautiful wife. And um, yes, thank God. And uh, so really, I was, I was very blessed for following. But sometimes we will, we will look only at what we can see, and we let that have uh, prominence in our life. We let that have priority. Well, um, we're to walk by faith 
and not by sight. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what the devil says. It doesn't matter what the devil brings your way if you don't listen to him above God. So Adam and Eve, they made that mistake. They, they said, well, you know, the devil said, well, did God really say? Well, are you really sure if you're tithing 10% and giving offerings, are you really sure that he's gonna multiply your seed sown? I'm telling you, I don't think so. I think he's lying. In fact, I think the, I think the preacher's just trying to get your money. In fact, I think that television person's just trying to get your money. In fact, I think, you know, uh, you need to hold on to that because, you know, uh, look at this presidential election. You can never tell what's going to happen economically with an election like this. What's he trying to do? He's trying to knock your faith and my faith off of the word of God and off of God himself, just like he did Adam and Eve. Did God really say, you know, God knows that if you eat that, you're going to be like him. So the devil twists the words of God and then, and then uh, adds his own words and tries to make us disbelieve and make us not walk by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse three, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. That means what you see, what I see of this world was made by God's faith in himself. That's why there's trees, that's why there's mountain, that's why there's rivers, that's why there's streams, that's why there's a sun, that's why there's moon, that's why the sun sets so beautifully. God actually created the earth and the fullness thereof for us, for mankind. You know, you talk about, somebody's like, well, I don't believe in that prosperity business, I don't believe that you're supposed to be financially blessed. You know what, prosperity actually means that you have an abundant supply. The prosperity does not mean that you're going to be a billionaire or a trillionaire or a millionaire or, I don't know what you call it, a thousandaire, I don't know what you call it. That's not what prosperity means. It means that you'll have more than enough, plenty left over. So all of your needs will be met, you'll get your desires, and then you've got plenty left over. But God created everything that we see, the worlds that we see, for us, for mankind. That's why the Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand of hills. Everything that the, the Lord created all this, he's the owner of it. He created all of it, and he created it for us. And he said, here, Adam, I give you authority over all the work of my hands. Guard it and keep it. Well, he didn't guard it because he let the, the devil in there. And then uh, because God so delegated his authority to Adam, the devil came and took that authority. That's why in Ephesians you learn that Satan is the God of this world. So you say, like, why are so many bad things happening? Well, because Satan is the God of this world. And the only way uh, to stop him is to take his authority away from him. Well, that's why Jesus came, died, buried, resurrected. He came, he did it as a man. Because uh, Romans 5 says that Adam messed up as a man, so Jesus had to fix his mess up as a man. So Jesus fixed his mess up as a man so that we have authority over the devil. So actually, when destruction tries to come to your family, when destruction tries to come to your finances, when destruction tries to come to your mind, that's the whole reason we even have authority to say that. Not because you're somebody awesome, but because when you are united with Christ, you are the same as Christ. You are the body of Christ. And members in particular. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 now you collect, this is the Amplified, now you collectively are Christ's body and individually you are members of it, each one with his own special purpose and function. You are the body of Christ. 
So the church, individually and collectively, is the body of Christ. Last summer, we did this series, uh, one of my favorite series. I love this series, the Miracle Life series, where you look at Jesus as our model, Jesus as our inspiration, uh, how we respond to the gospel, the credibility of the gospel, the legality of the gospel, and our experience. It's basically how we are Christ in the earth and our job and our duty today. So we are the body of Christ. And the way that the body of Christ is gonna act like Christ is we're gonna, how we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it by by faith. Verse four of Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Verse five, by faith, Enoch was translated so that he wouldn't see death. Verse seven, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with uh, fear, that's a reverential fear, prepared an ark. Uh, Verse eight, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place where he would later receive an inheritance, obeyed. Uh, Verse nine, by faith, He sojourned or journeyed in a land of promise. Verse 11, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. So you see, by faith, like we actually receive strength. You're like, I can't do this. I don't have the strength. You know, uh, the Bible doesn't say be strong in yourself. It actually says be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Anytime we're getting self-centered, it's a bad situation, right? How many people like to be around a self-centered person? A lot of times a self-centered person doesn't even realize how self-centered they are. Um, So we are to be Christ-centered. Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And this life I live in the body, I live how? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we're actually to live by looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and understanding that that's God's Son, And he loved me, and as evidence of how much he loved me, he gave up his life, and he gave his life freely. Nobody forced him to give up his life. We studied that on Easter, how many, like, all of this great multitude of people, soldiers, trained, specially trained soldiers, came to uh, arrest him, and just by him saying, I am, they flew backwards and fell to the ground. So we're to live the life of faith By understanding Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself for us. So you're pretty valuable. You're valuable enough that if you were the only one, Jesus would have gone through that agony and that suffering just for you and just for me. So Satan is a liar and he's the father of lies. So these lies come through different people. Unfortunately, they come through Christians sometimes and sometimes many times if people, if you or I get religious in nature instead of like relationship centered with Christ, we can be uh, pawns of the devil to, to be used to do his thing. You know, like, what are you thinking? I remember, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I remember growing up, uh, new pa- my parents and another couple helped plant a church and uh, then they were on pastoral search. They had a temporary pastor for a while, and then a new pastor came. When the new pastor came, uh, I was talking to his wife one time, and they had three kids. We have four. Okay, they had three. And uh, when she got pregnant with her third child, it was not at the church, at, at my church at that time. They were at another church. It was a denomination where they move them every so many years, you know. And so she had gotten pregnant, and a lady in the church came up to her and said, what do you think you're doing getting pregnant? Can't you see your husband's trying to pastor a church? Well, I was not the voice of God. Actually, the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. And so you actually experience in America, even today, um, 
I've had people say different things about kids, like, well, I wouldn't have kids, blah, blah, blah. and like Christians, and they neglect like the fact that the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. They chose, I don't know if they ripped that page out of their Bible or what, you know. So one, one woman pastor that I, um, it's actually the church I used to sneak off to after I was filled with the Spirit, and she said, um, she said some people, she's like, you know, they're like, well, that's not for us today. And so she said, well, just rip that page out of your Bible. And they're like, well, well, that's not for us today. Just rip that page out of your Bible. She said they end up with just two leather flaps just hitting each other because they got rid of everything that they didn't want to do or they didn't want to abide by, you know. Um, it's amazing, you know, how we say, I follow Jesus, I love Jesus, everything in the word is true, All, you know, I'm going to follow the word every day of my life, I walk by faith, I'm not by sight, and then, you know, like, flip out over some little thing. There's a guy that uh, Brother Hagin used to talk about, and um, uh, his, he had a favorite song that he'd like to sing every week, you know, God in the mountains uh, you think are incrossable, any rivers you can't, you know, travel through. Uh, God specializes in things thought impossible, something like that, you know, it was a song. And uh, he said, uh, he was, Brother Harry was talking to that guy's wife on the way home from church after he had, you know, sang this song and got all blessed and all this type of stuff. And uh, she said to him, she said, honey, uh, Johnny needs a new pair of shoes. Do you think I'm made out of money? What do you think I'm made of? You know, Brother Hagin would always tell, he's like, you know, he's like crossing mountains that are impossible to cross and he fell over a little boy's shoes. <laughs> Uh, but it's easy to do that, right? Because you, you again, we talked about in our, in our past series, uh, Tuned In, we have all of these inputs. And if we don't stay connected and tuned in to the word of God, then your primary input is circumstance and what you see and feel and touch and what other people say. And so, um, actually, uh, my wife and I are looking at this uh, house right now, and um, I was... Uh, uh, running the other morning. The Lord talks to me so many times when I'm running. And so I was running while I'm running, and um, the Lord spoke to my heart and said very clearly, uh, that house is a financial asset that um, will multiply and increase in value over time. Like it was just like, ooh. And I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I didn't think much about it. I told my wife, and, and when I'm running, I don't like to forget what the Lord's saying, so I do a little recording. So I just recorded it, you know. And um, so later on, we're looking at this house, doing an inspection on this house, and um, this guy drives up the road in this little, I think it was, let me think, it looked like a 1991 or 92 Honda Accord, okay? It wasn't rusted. It, maybe here they doesn't rust as much, but in Michigan, that age would be rusty. So <laughs> unless you took really, really good care of it. And uh, so he drives up, and he says, uh, are you looking at that house? And we said, yeah, we're looking at that house. He said, don't buy that house. He said, I, uh, actually, I should back up. In the, in, the, in the recording, I said, you know, some people would, would say this is a money pit. But this is a financial asset that will multiply and increase in value over time. That's what, what, what's in my journal and everything like that. But the Lord said. And so this guy stopped. And he said, come over here. You know, you look at, yeah, we're looking at the house. And he said, that house is a money pit. He said, if you buy that house in one year, what did he say? Uh, you will be bankrupt and divorced. And I said, did you know the owners of the house? <laughs> and he said, uh, I, I know that house. And I said, do you know the owners of the house? I know that house. And he drove away. Well, I was like, I'm like dumbfounded. I'm like, man, 
that is really weird. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, as I have expressed to you before, I am sort of a thinker. So I started to think. And I'm, you know, my first thought was, okay, obviously that was not from God. My second thought was, I don't think it's possible to go bankrupt in one year if you're financially set right now. <laughs> and then I was like, plus I would never get divorced. Like, you know, I can't, I can't imagine that. You know what I mean? Of course, you have pressures and stuff like that. Some days you're like, oh. <laughs> not, not that I would, but you're, you know, oh boy, I'm gonna. You know, like I'm saying you have a, how do I get out of this? I'm saying you get in relationship and you, there's going to be problems. That's like uh, what Jesus say, or no, Paul said, well, if you marry, you will have trouble in the flesh, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's worth it. There's more blessing. And so, um, anyhow, you just, uh, okay, now I have to do like the side journey. The short side journey is marriage is a commitment. Love is a decision. You just say, no, I'm, I'm not going to divorce you. I'm marrying you and I'm com committed to the Lord and committed to you. If you stay committed to the Lord first, uh, you'll stay married. So, um, the reason people get divorced actually is hardness of heart. Yeah. Okay. That's the reason for divorces. Um, that's what Jesus said. And if, might as well just wrap the whole thing up. <laughs> if you're being like physically abused and all these type of things, or somebody's cheating on you, there's biblical grounds for divorce, all this other type of stuff. Uh, but the subject of this message is not divorce. <laughs> so this guy says this, right? And so I'm thinking... At that moment, my marriage is all bliss, right? So I'm not thinking about divorce like that's impossible, right? I'm like the, like the guy that's engaged to be married. That's not a thought. I will never even have a, a passing thought about that, whatever. She's perfect in every way. She wakes up and her face is perfect and her hair is perfect. And, you know, anyhow, it wasn't quite that bad. But um, I'm thinking there's no problem. I'm thinking you can't go bankrupt. But do you know, like, how many times I could hear that guy talking in my head, even so, even based on what I know, even based on, you know, I think I said last week, uh, Brother Hagin said it, and it's so true. Uh, when the Lord talks supernaturally to you, normally it's because rough sledding's ahead. So it wasn't an audible voice, but it was kind of clear in my heart, and I actually forgot about it. And so after he walked away, my wife starts laughing. Because she was there, and she said, isn't that awesome that the Lord gave you that this morning, knowing that this was going to happen? And I said, oh, you're right. But I was, like, kind of disturbed by the guy. Not because I think, oh, it's going to, like, turn into a curse type thing or whatever. But uh, the atmosphere in which he spoke was, like, heavy. Or I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it. But it was, there was something in that atmosphere. Maybe spirits attached or whatever, you know, type of thing. But there was something in that atmosphere and, um, you know, that wants to get a hold of us, wants to get a hold of you when people uh, yield to the devil. So we don't wrestle against people. It's not people that are your problem. It's the enemy. The enemy influences those people. The enemy influences them through ignorance. The enemy influences some people that uh, gladly yield to him. I think that's the more uncommon, you know, I mean, when I say gladly yield, a lot of people gladly yield to the flesh because it feels good to your flesh. Uh, but I think the, the occurrences of people like seeking out, I actually want to be evil to people, I think that's, I personally think that's kind of rare. But you get other people that just live by the flesh, they haven't been taught, they don't know any better, that's, I think, fairly common. And um, you can even find yourself 
in those situations with people. And like we talked before with your relatives, particularly because you know them. We talked about how they might like think of you the same way. Well, you, you see them. It's very easy for you or me to like box people in and not see them in faith and love. So we want to surround, we want to surround uh, everyone in faith and love, and we want to live by faith. Live by faith and walk by faith. First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, for as the body is one, this is the natural body, and has many members or many parts, but all of the members of, uh, excuse me, of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So, like, that's just saying, like, you see, I have, I was going to say ten fingers. See, this is my mind. This is how I think. Four fingers, eight fingers. <laughs> eight <laughs> fingers, two thumbs. Ten digits. Uh, those are all part of my body. In fact, if Melody came up right now and cut off my finger, it would still be my finger. <laughs> but it wouldn't function. It wouldn't fit. It wouldn't work. And... Um, so as we're all members of the body, so also is Christ. So you think of your own body. Paul gave, uh, the Lord inspired him really to give the best possible illustration. You know, and can your foot say to your hand, I don't need you? Well, I'll tell you right now, if you injure your, like you ever broken a toe, or if you injure your toe, like you stub your toe, that's my best example. Um, uh, Paul said, if one member suffer, all the other members suffer with it. Okay, so when I think of like the body of Christ, this is how the body of Christ ought to be. So if I come up here, better not do it, it'd be hilarious, but and accidentally stub my toe on this chair, uh, and if I stub it hard enough, I'm gonna go, oh, my whole body, and then I'm actually gonna come and I'm gonna sit down, and I'm gonna, ah, ah, ah. Like, so I'm breathing hard, my mouth is open bigger, my shoulders are hunched over, my hand grabbed my foot, my, my knee made my leg come up. So like, look at all of these members of my body coming together because of this one little stub toe. So that toe was stubbed, but my whole body was affected by it. And so um, when you have part of your body that's not functioning properly, it really affects your whole body. So when Jesus has part of his body that's not functioning properly, it really affects the whole body. So I was designed to live life, you were designed to live life with a healthy, functioning, physical body. Uh, the body of Jesus Christ was, was designed to live with a healthy, functioning, spiritual body, doing the work. And when I, I, should, I should clarify the spiritual body. We're a spiritual body on the inside, but his spiritual body needs flesh. Jesus came in the flesh to reveal God to us. So now he lives inside of all of our flesh if you're born again. He lives in your flesh and my flesh. That's how he can reach people. How is he going to lay hands on your neighbor? By you or another believer laying hands on your neighbor. Okay? How is he going to pray for someone? He's going to pray through your vocal cord, your lips, and your tongue. Whatever else has to happen there. Through your body, your physical body, is how he's going to do it. I'm going to read you, I want to read you a few things here, and then um, we'll finish up for this week. So let's go back to the song, uh, God Specializes in Things Thought Impossible. There's nothing he cannot do. 
God is the God of the impossible. Remember, um, Jesus, actually, he said, um, uh, I think it was when the little boy died, he said, uh, fear not, only believe. Because what happened? He was saying, Jesus, come to my house, heal my son. So uh, he starts on his way. He starts, Jesus starts on his way to this guy's house to heal his son. And then what happens? The woman with the issue of blood, like there's all these crowds, and she sneaks in there, and she like grabs hold, grabs hold, and all of a sudden he was conscious that power went out of him. And he turned around, and he's like this huge crowd, like, who touched me? And his disciples are like, Lord, okay? They're thinking all natural. They're not born again, remember, at this point. Lord, you got all these people hitting you, and you're asking us, you're saying, who touched you? It could be any number of people like who touched you. And he's like, no, 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 no. This touch was different. This touch drew power out of me. And it went somewhere. You know, you can see faith. You can a lot of times see faith in somebody's face. You can see faith in somebody's action. You can see your own faith in how your face is, is, is contorted or, or not contorted. Or you can see faith in your own action. You can see faith in your own words. So uh, faith is actually a, a tangible, touchable thing. But Jesus as all this is happening, then someone runs up to this guy that has his child that's on the point of death. Hmm? Oh, Jairus' daughter. And um, so then the servant comes and said, don't, don't bother him anymore. She's dead. She's dead. It doesn't matter. She's dead. Jesus immediately, the Bible says, turned, looked him in the face and said, fear not, only believe. So Jesus immediately is like, okay, I'm taking authority in this situation because the devil comes in through that fear. So he immediately says, fear not, only believe. And I think, you know, I may teach a, a whole message on that, fear not, only believe. So that's kind of like you got all this stuff going on. You got to get rid of all that clutter. I don't care. The clutter can all be around there, but your focus, your connection, you're zeroed right in on only believe. And if you focus on believing, you're not going to have the fear, right? Fear not, only believe. So you're exercising your mental capacity, you're exercising your spiritual capacity, even your bodily capacity to believe God. Wherefore, sirs, Paul said with the shipwreck, I believe God, it'll be even as he told me. Because every circumstance around him was like, dude, we're floating on the boards of the ship in the water. He's like, don't be afraid, because I believe the way God said is that's the way it's going to be. Yeah. Fear not, only believe, Jesus said. So we, we tie ourselves to Christ by our faith. And so what many times the devil would try to tell us is impossible, that'll never happen, it's never going to occur, uh, you're too old, it's gone too far, uh, things will never change. You've tried it before. It's not going to work. You know, he's just trying to knock you off of what you believe. The devil tries to put enough pressure that you will uh, start believing and confessing something else. Like, how many times have you ever wanted to say, I mean, I have wanted to say it, like, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to happen.
faith sees through the impossible and grabs hold of God when everything else says no. I remember Brother Hagin, you know, he, he was, had an incurable blood disease. He had a deformed heart. I mean, he had so many problems when he was like a little boy. And they didn't, nobody his, with that type of disease had ever lived past the age of 16 years old. And he was miraculously healed, uh, basically on his deathbed, paralyzed. Um, he was healed. And um, he said uh, later on, you know, he had, he, I think that heart, a heart thing tried to come on him two other times. So I was actually telling Gary this morning, I said, it's interesting, um, one of the things that Brother Hagen said that really, I remember one of the first things he said that really impressed me was he said um, that uh, most people lose their healing or more people lose their healing to a counterattack than any other one thing. Well, what does that mean? That means many times you may come up to be uh, prayed for, have hands laid on you. You may pray yourself, uh, whatever way uh, the Lord leads you to appropriate healing for your body. And then maybe immediately you feel better. There's a difference in your body. But 30 seconds later, that thing comes right back on you. I mean, I've had that happen with like a cold or a flu. I pray for myself or speak odor or something, and all of a sudden it lifts. And then like 30 seconds later, it comes right back. What, what do you want to say? I guess it didn't work. Uh, I guess, you know, okay, maybe my face wasn't right that time. And then you start to almost get into works. Like, okay, well, what did I do? What did I not do? What's going on? What's, what's with this? And, um, but... So he said, you know, he said, I would not, I would say that by his stripes I'm healed, no matter what symptom I had in my body. He said, if blood gushed from within me, I would declare, by his stripes I'm healed. And he said, I've had that happen, and I have done that. So, because it is by faith that we appropriate these things. That doesn't mean you don't go to the doctor. If you need to go to the doctor, of course you go to the doctor if you need to go to the doctor. But you're either going to believe it or you're not going to believe it. In other words, we're talking about in the time of giving, like, you, you know, God's either true or he's a liar. So if, it's, if this is all fake and doesn't work, let's find out now. Let's not wait till later. But I can tell you from personal experience, it's true. From financial blessing, from physical healing of an incurable disease, from salvation, where the love of God that is beyond me comes inside of me, and if I just like realize that and grab hold of it, I can love like Jesus loved in the midst of people treating you uh, in very, very terrible ways. So uh, it, it is by faith that we live and move and even have our being. So... Uh, you know, it's really impossible for us to be made a new creature without Christ. Um, when you think of, just, just think for a second of the impossibility of being declared righteous by God or being declared right by God based on, uh, I, don't, I would normally never tell people to do this, but based on your past, based on what you've done, based on, you know, how good of a person you are, of being purchased back from everything that you have done, of being made pure, of having every stain of every sin of every thought removed from you that you've done. How, how does that come? How does that happen? How do you appropriate any of the blessings of God? Let me say it this way. You're saved by grace through faith. 
okay? So faith is the active force in your salvation. Faith is the active force in whatever you're going to receive from God. But it's not faith by works. Mm -hmm. It's grace through faith, Mm -hmm. okay? So let me read you this. The way grace works is exactly the opposite of the way that legalism works. Legalism is becoming holier in order to be one with God. And grace is becoming one with God, which makes you holy. Okay? Grace, excuse me, legalism is becoming holier in order to be one with God. But grace is becoming one with God in union with him for holiness to occur. Okay, so with that in mind, think think of this. How, How could this be any other way? How could it happen any other way? How could God approve the head of the church, Jesus Christ, the head of the body, and condemn the members of the body? So how could he say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, but I'm not well pleased in you. So, like, I approve of Tim's head, but I don't approve of his hand. How can the spotless and holy remain in a living connection with that which is unholy. So when God uh, recreates you, you become holy as he is holy. In other words, how could he be connected to you? Remember, we're members in particular and corporately and together. And then how could the Son of God be in glory while that which uh, he is made a part of, his body, lies abandoned in a grave of eternal death? So how can he live up in heaven and be attached to something that's going to hell? No, he had to redeem us. He had to set us free. Christ and his son are one. And we are his son. We are sons and daughters of God. We are part of the body of Christ. And so in Christ Jesus, we don't apprehend the things of God. We don't apprehend the things uh, by works. We apprehend by faith. And so we apprehend by faith by receiving the grace of God, the gift of God. And so in any area that you're believing God for, that you're trusting God for, it's not like, um, it's not even your faith, to be honest with you. Because the Bible says he's given to every person the measure of faith. So you use his faith to trust him to receive his gift that he's freely given to you. So it's not like, I'm going to do these 10 things, now I'm going to get my healing. I'm going to do these 10 things, now I'm going to get my mental freedom. I'm going to do these 10 things, now I'm going to get my financial blessing. It's I'm going to do this one thing, which is trust Jesus Christ. He's Lord of my life in this area. I'm trusting him. I'm believing him. And then he's connected to me. I'm connected to him. So if you're born again this morning, you are connected to Jesus Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. And by virtue of being part of the body of Christ, what flows in him flows in you. The nature of God, the life of God, the holiness of God, the sanctification of God, the redemption of God, the freedom of God flows in your life and my life. And the way we experience it in a vital way, in a living way, in an experiential way is That one thing that we say, what is faith? Acting like the Bible is true. What am I going to do when it looks like I don't have enough money if I've been tithing and giving like the Bible says? I'm going to say, okay, this is true. I'm probably going to start laughing at the devil. I mean, we were dancing a little bit this week, just rejoicing, trusting God, like this is what's going to happen. 
You know, our church is financially blessed. We're on the increase. Our personal account is financially blessed. We're on the increase. Uh, our relationships are blessed. We're, we're increasing here at the church, not only in finances, but in people and in influence and reaching the lost and the ability to be the voice and the example and the body, the local body that God has ordained for us to be. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, thank you. Thank you that you crossed the uncrossable, the impossible void to connect us with you through Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that his nature flows in us and through us. I thank you, Father, that we are as holy as he is and that we are as righteous as he is because of him and because of what he's done. Father, we declare right now that we freely receive that. We declare, and declare it with me if you would, or after me, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and I walk by faith, not by sight. I walk by trusting you, Father God, not my senses, not my mind, but you, through your word. Thank you that you have set me free from all the power of the enemy. And nothing will in any way harm me. I plead the blood of Jesus over everything that concerns me, over my heart, my mind, my body, my finances, my affections. In Jesus' name, amen.